Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. We're going to be deadly serious because it's season six, episode 22, Grave. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. Why doesn't everybody introduce yourself with the last time you got a big haircut? Well, my name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season six, episode 22, and I got a big haircut on Thursday, and I wore a mask, and Vanessa wore a mask, and it was really nice. And your hair and looks I, great. Uh, well, thank you. I did a modern man haircut that someone complimented me and said, you look like a caricature of a modern man. <laughs> <laughs> you do. It's nice. And then at, in the dark at night, I was walking to a, a store. A random man said, hey, cutie. Nice. Always, always good for the ego when that happens, buddy. My name is John. Uh, ever since uh, lockdown started, my uh, partner Harriet has been cutting my hair. And she's been doing a, a fine job, although don't judge uh, her by the current haircut. She's, uh, I'm overdue for one. <laughs> my name is Travis. And the last time I had, I paid for a haircut was 13 or 14 years ago. So I cut my own hair. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I cut my own hair. I haven't paid for a haircut in like the same amount. But I'm letting things shag out right now because it's almost Halloween. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go as a greaser for my suit. Oh, that's awesome. As, you know, an alien greaser, a teenager from Mars. Not a Wolfman greaser? No, it's been done before. I'm a teenager yeah, from did. Mars this year. Uh-huh. But before we just consistently talk about haircuts, let's start talking about Buffy a little. Let's listen to the summary for Grave and find out what happens. The summary. Darth Willow has everyone on the ropes. Buffy's stuck in a hole. Xander's KO'd. Anya is about to die trying to save the nerd duo. When she's saved by a handsome former watcher from the UK, Giles is back, and he's all juiced up with magic and ready to fight Dark Willow, only to be immediately taken down, and all his borrowed magic absorbed into the now Super Saiyan Dark Willow. Her power level is over 9,000! She's powered up like never before and ready to destroy the world. But first, she sends some Swamp Thing Elemental dirt monsters after Buffy and Don, you know, so they can fight and have their talk and everything. Meanwhile, at Burning Man, Spike is tripping out, hallucinating he's fighting the fire dancers and then that he's covered in bugs. Giles, now dying, tells Anya that Willow has absorbed the essence of true magic, whatever that means. And that's the opportunity for a good boy to reach her. Willow is channeling the magic into the remains of a satanic church, which we all know is how you destroy the world. When her BFF Xander shows up, using his heart and a story about kindergarten, Xander emotionally breaks Willow so hard... She loses the color in her hair. All of her powers drop, and she falls to the ground. An emotional mess. Hooray. The world is saved. Oh, and uh, Spike is totally unaware of all this, but he gets his soul back. Hooray! (laughs) Oh, thank God it's over. All right. Hey, what was everybody's uh, favorite lines? Great lines. Well, I've been thinking this... And so when it was said, it felt <laughs> so good. When Giles shows up, uh-oh, daddy's home. <laughs> Love it. Nice. I really enjoyed Xander trying to break into one of the crypts, just kicking it over and over again, going, ow, 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 ow. Every time he kicked it, <laughs> it was a silly joke, and it worked. Made me giggle. I chose an actual... There were, there were some actually good lines in this episode, but I chose one of the worst lines, which was Giles... <laughs> Silly girl, I'm dying. <laughs> for some reason, is settled with the cheesiest lines this this week. <laughs> he has to be like, 
Willow has absorbed the essence of pure magic. <laughs> I can see. Yeah, he gets Disney-fied. He, he gets like Disney bad lines. I like when Willow said, it was me who took you out of the earth. Now the earth wants you back to Buffy. Yeah, that's a fucking good one, man. All right. The kill count. The kill count. So I counted two de- demonic decapitations. Six dirt boys get dusted. Three KOs. One fully wrecked magic box. One cemetery fireballed to hell. And one surprise apocalypse. And uh, how many uh, beetles do you suppose got squashed inside of uh, Spike's sinuses? Oh, is that what happened? They all go in his nose. I want to talk about that one. <laughs> we'll get to that, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, let's dive into weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. Daddy's home. <laughs> I like Giles coming back and he's daddy. I've been saying that forever. I Maybe they've been saying it on the podcast, but you know, like, just call it out. He's dad. He was gone. And y'all played whatever crazy games you play when dad is gone. Yeah. Y'all comes out in a scene, uh, which we'll talk about that laughing scene. So I, I've called it out in the notes here. But anyway. Yeah. And also Giles is a daddy. We never really got into that, but mm, he is. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's a magic daddy. Magic daddy. But of course, because he's daddy, everybody wants a hug. I just really enjoyed the the, the moment where uh, Anya really wanted a hug. It wasn't quite getting one. Yeah. That was really sweet. And I, it, 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 this episode is a bit cheesy in moments, but I don't know. That felt like real feelings to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny also Giles used some of his magic power to correct his eyesight. Like, whatever. You know, the way Giles magically restrains Willow. Every time I see it, it always reminds me of how often in the Dark Phoenix saga, the comic, everybody is constantly restraining either the X-Men or Jean Grey, like either through magical or like, like other mental means. It's such a like recurring theme. Like if you break down the pages, like probably like 80% of the pages is like some character or all the characters being like mystically restrained. It's, you know, it's like the Hellfire Club gets brought up for the first time and it's like everybody loves fucking magic bondage. Well, I, well, I wanted to say that I think Anya dyed her hair blonde so that Giles would have, would like share affection, like the affection he has for Buffy or Anya. She's like, I, I dyed my hair blonde. <laughs> but when he came back, he'd be like, oh, Anya, I like you even more. You know how I feel about blondes. Yeah. They're my dolls. That scene, that scene also reminds me of like when you come home, if you have animals and you come home and like one dog is like jumping up on your lap for attention and like the other dog is like right next to your knee and like pleading at you to also hug it and that's like the Anya that's like she was so close she was just like please John what is this website oh well so Giles mentions that he got his powers from a very powerful coven in Devon which is funny to me because my partner is from Devon oh dip and i've been to Devon a number of times to visit her family you you can kind of see why that might be a good place for witches. It's where Dartmoor is. I think Stonehenge is not in Devon, but it's it's in that general direction. And so it's, yeah, it, it does feel very uh, witchy in some ways. So I just had a quick Google. And if you Google Devon Coven, the first thing that comes up is this episode. And the second thing that comes up is devonwitchcraft.org, which is a coven in Devon. And they have this really uh, lovely uh, bit about how to join their training group, which I think is... Uh, 
kind of spooky and I love how vague it is. It says, if you're interested in joining a training group and are over 21 years of age, like that's in bold, like they don't want anybody under 21 joining the joining the coven. And there's something blah, 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 blah about what they do. And then we currently run an eight session course, Introduction to Witchcraft slash Wicca, which culminates in a ritual. At the end of this, we will discuss with you the possibility of progressing onto a one-year uh, pre-initiation course. So it's like a multi-stage process with a ritual, which I love the yeah. vagueness of that. Seems like a pretty cool group of people. What do you have to be 21 to for legal reasons in the UK for? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, because the drinking age is 18. I don't know if there's any usually 21. I was going to joke about renting here. a car, but you're going to be flying everyone a broomstick. Maybe. <laughs> good one, Travis. Outmoded ideas of witches flying on broomsticks, poisoning the town, giving out poison candied apples. All that's, that's not us. That's not deaf witchcraft. A cauldron. <laughs> Nobody uses a cauldron anymore. I hate the media's <laughs> representation. So Giles and Buffy catch up after Giles subdues Willow with uh, restraint, magical restraints. Buffy's like catching him up on how horrible things have been since he's gone. Of course, I feel like she could be catching up on horrible times just like her whole life is just a series of horrible events. But just the stuff that's happened since Giles is gone. And for whatever reason, this trigger, triggers Giles and it's freaking hilarious. And then it's like, Sheila starts laughing too. And it's ultimately it's a sweet scene, but it took me watching the scene a second time for it to feel sweet. The first time it felt demented because she's clearly like looking for empathy. And then this mentor figure is just like, oh, <laughs> he just like loses it after she mentioned sleeping with Spike. Like that's so unbelievable. There's no way that happened. Yeah, I'm with you, Michael. I this doesn't sit right with me either. I mean, I feel like if knowing Spike, if someone told me that they were sleeping with Spike, the first thing to answer that's like, oh, my God, are you OK? Like, how can I help you? Not laugh in her face. I mean, I get, I get why, like, because I think the whole, like, like I get why they chose to write it this way. Because, like, I think the 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 fear is that he'll be disappointed and he'll judge her. Which I'm glad that they didn't go that route. And I think this is a kind of alternative to that, maybe. But yeah, it doesn't feel very nice. The thing that always strikes me in this scene isn't as much as laughing as much as like nobody's been calling Giles. Like, this is so pre-social media that he didn't even <laughs> like check in to see how like Anya and Xander's wedding went. <laughs> yeah, does he even know about the wedding? Well, it's in the recap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I get it because I feel like there's, you know, sometimes laughter is the appropriate reaction to like extreme things. Okay. Well, it always sits with me wrong. I think if I was confiding with an adult and they did this, I would, I would be so angry. But it's cool. The show is like, oh, this is kind of, you know, it's so unbelievable and insane. And what are we going to do anyway? We're not going to judge Buffy anymore than we judged her. And then Giles in that, same scene apologizes for leaving it's like i should never have left you know like he shows some amount of guilt and responsibility well like dude i don't care now you got that travis earworm man yeah i think so i got the travis oh. on my shoulder telling me like oh I, listen to his lies <laughs> he's a bad daddy <laughs> i don't know i i really like the parts of the scene that are like you know sometimes being an adult is asking for help when you need it and like, to me, it really speaks to like how much Buffy just doesn't and how, how much I at that same age, like just didn't know what being an adult was like, mm -hmm. like in a lot of ways we're trained, we're, you know, we're taught in school for so long and we're like trained in our profession and stuff. But like, actually, like how to adult is like not something my parents really ever taught me. You know what I mean? 
Mm. Um, or yes. even knew, knew how to teach, right. Or knew that it had to be a thing to teach. Right. So I felt like I felt Buffy in that, like, like, yeah, I tried adulting and it's super fucking hard. Well, there's no good transition to this comment, but, uh, Xander brings up the spikes attempted rape of Buffy and brings it up. And Dawn, who didn't, hadn't heard that it happened, doesn't believe it really. Right. I mean, she'll bring it up again later as a proof that, you know, that her bond with Buffy is broken or like has never existed and that she should be confided in for this kind of stuff. And like, I, I like that scene a lot, the way that kind of pays off later in this episode speaks to, you know, maybe some adulting happening where people are honest about what's happening with them. That scene like was kind of, I don't know, it, it felt, it felt weird at the, like, I don't necessarily like the way Xander brings up the rape so callously, like mm. to hurt I mean, It feels like he's doing it to hurt. He's making a point. Well, he's he's angry that people are right. That Don's like, well, let's go to Spike. He's like, yeah, friggin' Summers women and your Spike thing, right? I'm Xander. Oh, he's driving a wedge from that relationship. Like, you guys can't be friends with Spike. You got to stop it. That bothers me. <laughs> but then, the, you know, he has a very good case study to point to as why Spike can't be trusted. But then, yeah, of course, everyone's got to discover this on their own. Spuffy, anyway. I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think we, we talked about this before, like in the last episode, we, I think we all agree with Xander's, you know, frustration and his, his pointing out that Spike's not safe, but not the way that he brings it up in this uh, particular context, right? That he's, he's bringing it up to score points and that's fucked up. After decapitating two demons, Spike's final trial is being swarmed by rhinoceros de- beetles. Uh, <laughs> you can tell that, so, you know, they just, it's just like this, this, the one specific CG model they used for all of them were rhinoceros beetles. I think that's funny. Because in terms of beetles, rhinoceros beetles are like the number one preferred pet because they're non-venomous and they're, they're gentle. You know, so it, it wouldn't be that big a deal to be swarmed by them, really. I mean, there are people who keep beetles as pets. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. They are, though, cousins or whatever. They're related to scarabs. So that might be why they chose them. Because, like, you know, if you're going to make a living mummy, you got to use a scarab, right? But I think it was just because they picked, like, all right, what are the models? What are the CG models that already exist? And like, this one's got a horn. We'll use it. It's like, can we talk about the proliferation of CGI beetles? Like once, <laughs> once CGI became, you know, accessible, like doing CGI beetles or CGI little insects was like Hollywood's in, like initial like scare tactic, right? Yeah. You see, you saw it so much in the like late, late nineties, early two thousands, like Mummy, Flash, is it the, yeah, yeah. Thinking about Brendan Fraser, but and so this one, they, the the scarab beetles don't look terrible, but I bet like now the the model for like a CGI scarab beetle or CGI rhinoceros rhinoceros beetle would be amazing. But we haven't talked about like the mist era CGI effects yet. <laughs> There's like some really weird CGI in this episode. Yeah, yeah. But maybe we can wheels lump it all together. But I just wanted to bring up that this was like a phenomena. <laughs> of the time cgi beetles and bugs yeah you're totally right yeah speaking of like cg of the time and stuff the way they cut corners is like apparently there's this giant magical battle between willow and giles that's like mostly off screen we cut back to it and it's like you know we're on round like six or whatever and it's like the big stuff has already been done you know you gotta save that budget i, I like when 
you know, Willow like throws the fireball and she's like, uh, you almost be in, t- maybe you'll be in time to save Jonathan and the other one. It's like, <laughs> she has this like blood feud with these guys and she's like ready to murder them. But even, even in those circumstances, Ander does not matter. Like, oh, that was great. It was like a little piece of writing. Oh, I guess I am going to take this from John. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a burned pile of stuff at the magic box. And one of them is a copy of a William Shatner book. But I don't know which one. I just saw Wish on the in the corner of the, the burn pile. Oh, you know which one it is. Dennis, which one is it? Oh, I didn't look. Is it? Oh, so yeah. So that if for my zoom in and enhance, which uh, Michael ripped out from under me we have the the magic box is burning and there's a pile of books burning and the, the only is title the you can war? make out is it says william shatner at the top yes that is in fact uh the first tech war book nice which i really like i like the idea like i'm imagining that there's this like conversation in the props department where they're like guys we've got to burn some books and someone's like i don't know it seems kind of sacrilegious maybe we shouldn't burn books even for a film or a tv show or whatever and they're like well what's a book that everyone will be okay with us burning and they're like, I know, tech war. Shadner is going to be in the movie Rex this week. So, so, oh, excellent. There is another one that you can kind of see. I couldn't make out enough to like Google it. It says Ridley something. Yeah, not really sure what that says. And then like S O, the S O one, and not enough to do a reverse image search. It sounds like. Okay, I got to stop. I'll be at this. It's not. Yeah, if if you could figure it out, that'd be awesome. Love to know. Anyway, they're just burning some books, which is always fun. Yeah. Always a good time. Somebody should write a song about that. Somebody should. So ultimate power is too much for Willow. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know how the scene was going to turn when this happened. So she low, low batteries absorbs, you know, Giles batteries. Turns out this is a trick. That's later. We learned that it was a trick because Giles knew that that was going to happen. And then he was going to lose the magic fight, but he gave her so much power and it like briefly turns her into this high empathy mode, which is like, I can feel all the things that everybody is feeling and it's too much. And like, it's a, a really cool drug trip kind of vibe she's getting out of this thing. Yeah. They're really hitting the drug stuff hard. <laughs> right. So once again, magic is a drug. And then you get so high that like you can, you can feel and touch everything. I think it would have been cool to spend some more time in this space of like ultimate empathy, but they kind of move on from it very quickly. Like it's a brief peak high that you get where you get this empathy moment. And maybe this is like perceptions, what our perceptions of drug use are. I was thinking this is where the drug metaphor falls apart. Like if someone's like, if you have your friend who's a heroin addict, you'd be like, I've switched out your heroin for LSD. So now you'll be one with everything and stop doing heroin. Ah, <laughs> that doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I was thinking more like the, the whole, like having ultimate like empathy thing is like a trope of like tele telepaths. Like, right. Buffy has that issue when she becomes a telepath and earshot. She's yeah. like, I can hear everybody. Also, uh, Anya kind of points out later that like Giles, like before they really, she really, really know that like, she's going to get the ultimate empathy. Like Anya points out like, oh, great. You just made Willow 10 times more powerful. I would kind of wish you wouldn't have done that. And even once you know it, the whole story, that still doesn't make a ton of sense. Giles's gambit is at least very, very risky. So you think about the rules that they've, that they've set up here, right? Willow doesn't want to destroy the world until she gets ultimate empathy. It's the empathy that taps her into the suffering of the world that makes her want to destroy the, destroy the world. Before that, she's oh, like a menace. Yeah. She wants to kill people and she's wants to and she doesn't want to be controlled. But he basically like 
leveled her up from like Hulk level to like Galactus level by giving her the empathy powers. And then luckily it kind of undoes itself. But he didn't know that was going to work out. Like, that's a pretty big gambit. It's a pretty big risk that Giles took there, I feel like. Well, but he didn't also, he also didn't know that it was (laughs) opening her heart means like choosing to destroy the world. Because it's like how Willow reacts to hearing other people's like feelings is pretty irrational. Yeah. Oh, other people have feelings. We got to kill them. (laughs) Uh, But really what, what they're doing and what they're what this whole episode is doing right is like just grabbing plot points directly from dark phoenix saga I'd, like sorry i keep bringing up dark phoenix in this but like clearly like david fury read this episode clearly like somebody dropped the dark phoenix saga on him on his lap and i was like <laughs> take from this because that's the same thing that happens every time the phoenix has to charge up she becomes a more dangerous threat that's when she drains her energy and so she blows up the sun or a different sun and destroys an entire like solar system and becomes like a beyond Galactus level threat, you know, and that's when the Shi'ar empire has to kidnap her. Right. So it's like, now we're at final mode. This podcast is sponsored by Disney international. Oh God. She'll see your nearest Marvel movie. I I'm only talking about the comics. I'm not talking about the dark Phoenix movies, which I believe none of the writers ever read the comics when they were making those movies. Well, that would hamper their ability to make up stuff. So yeah, you don't want to get any inspiration when you do that. I don't know if I want to bring this up because it's going to be a sore point for Michael, but did you, do you remember the, how they discussed the Watchers Council in this episode? <laughs> they like watching. No, oh, remember the Watchers, the, the, Dallas is like the Watcher Council knows nothing. Yeah, he says that at the beginning, yeah. Because Buffy's like, did the Watchers Council send you? He's like, no. Those <laughs> oh, <some> fuckers. <laughs> yeah. So they weren't, they were not the big bad in season six either, Mike. I'm sorry. Oh, look, they're never going to be the big bad. And unless it's season seven, but. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. I, mean, <laughs> Maybe I, 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 think, I think the show has stopped caring about the Watcher Council. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things I read online is one of the original ideas for the, for this finale was for Buffy to fight the dragon that shows up at the end of the gift. And it basically wasn't done because the episode once more is feeling took so much of the season six budget. So, you know, I'm glad they didn't do that. That seems like not a very, there's not a lot of meat on that idea. At least like Buffy fights a dragon, just the bigger monster. Yeah. I think that they have to give it some different stakes. Always what they're like aiming for though, is like Buffy fighting the dragon, right? Like if you watch that yeah. promo for the Buffy animated series that never happened, it was like six minutes and Buffy fights a dragon. Right. Got to keep boosting that CR guys as you go. Oh man. So at some point, you know, maybe when we finish watching all these shows, you know, we could do a recap of cringy Xander moments because this episode has a couple of them. And the other one is when uh, <laughs> Xander calls, I think it's like Andrew and Jonathan, one of the two of them calls him a social retard. And like, man, just like it's been a long time since someone said that on TV. And maybe this is the last time. I don't know. Probably not. But uh, it feels a little bit late. And man, it just like it kind of woke me up from my like Buffy watching complacency for a second. Like, uh. like, oh, yeah, this is 2002. And probably calling people retards Anyway, that was a little bit sad anyway oh good good to call it out uh and to yeah. notice it i noticed you laugh it totally made me laugh there. <laughs> i noticed the return of the alpert mausoleum which i pointed out that mausoleum i don't know way back in like season two or something oh that was the because that's the name of the therapist i was going to at the time funny <laughs> to see like oh these old like you know we, we don't spend as much time in the cemetery to see these old like uh props we used to see so often so does that mean that either the alpert 
is is the Elpert a prop in a prop cemetery? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So there must be like this this amazing like large prop cemetery on the Fox Studio lot. Yeah. That's wild. Okay. And then I love the falling sword gag. I would just break that up. Because <laughs> it's so funny. Because you're always like, ah. It gets I, me. I like, I like the falling props. Reacting to the falling swords. Yeah. yeah it's just funny because it's, it's gravity. It's so dangerous. Gravity can be dangerous. Be careful. Hey, folks. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to see. Here's our, here's our PSA. Watch out for gravity, buddy. <laughs> gravity can be. The more you know. Don't just let things go. Yeah, I really dig the crazy coffin filled set that they fall into. I think that's like both visually an amazing set with all the brutes and stuff and the like hammering the the whole theme of season six and the symbolism of like Buffy returned from the grave and now she's back in the grave. Like this is where you live. It's one of my favorite sets of the season, I think. Yeah, I mean, I it wasn't as I wasn't as stimulated by the set. I was more interested in the team up, the sister team up happening here, and then fighting these thankfully pretty low level Earth warriors. <laughs> Tell you what, if uh, Don could take one out, but uh, I enjoyed, <laughs> and then like you know the Spike craziness getting brought up. So now, like we assume they'll be teamed up when Spike returns in season seven, I guess, since this is Spike with the soul is not going to get revisited. At the end of this season. But anyway, that was really a sweet moment. I didn't realize it needed to happen because I thought that they were on the same page. Clearly not. But that was a, was a really, really fun scene to, to watch. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. They get their talking out and then they get their fighting out. And that's just properly how you do things in Buffy, man. You gotta, you gotta do both. I think it's the Earth Warriors, as you call them, or Dirt Golems, or elementals are really interesting to me like you're right they're totally low level and they're just made of like but willow is able to now create life you know <laughs> which is a pretty major thing but i think it's interesting that suddenly this is like, again like just suddenly out of nowhere this is all about earth power like you know we went from the drug metaphor to magic being earth power and it's like because the devon is i guess like the devon coven is like all earth based or whatever but it just feels like you know, Willow at the end is like channeling the power of the earth to destroy the earth. It just feels like I, I already said David Fury has been reading uh, the Dark Phoenix saga, but he's also reading Saga of the Swamp thing because we're suddenly <laughs> all, all about the green. Yeah, but he's not reading it too seriously. Yeah, I feel like it's just like a summary. of <laughs> There is I guess there's a deleted scene or a deleted line of dialogue where Giles is like, <laughs> which I feel like they should have kept because it explains his vague ass statement where he's like, she absorbed the power of true magic. <laughs> Where he says like, and true magic is the spirit of the earth or something like that, which yeah. explains like it's an entirely different mode of magic than like drug-based magic. Um, instead of this vague ass like, girl, earth. Dude, you really did a great Giles as Merlin impression. <laughs> I was saying it feels like a Disney, like a Disney explanation. A true meaning of magic. Yeah, it totally does. The yeah. true essence of magic, which is <laughs> earth magic. What they're really saying is, just kidding about that metaphor, it was dumb and heavy-handed, moving on. But really, if you read Saga of the Swamp Thing, you know that uh, just because something's earth-based or the green-based doesn't mean it's not also drugs. Because you got to sometimes mm -hmm. eat that magical tumor and have your magical, like, earth-connecting experience slash sex. Because that shit's dope. Thanks. Sometimes you have to eat the tumor. <laughs> Magical mystic Alan Moore.
Yeah. If any other show in the world in the last 10 minutes of its sixth season was like the old satanic church up on Kingsman's bluff, I'd be like, no, do the work. You need to set that shit up. You cannot just be like, there's an old satanic church that we could just pull up right now. But this is Buffy and this is Sunnydale. And it totally makes sense. I've <laughs> watched the show so many times and I've never even questioned how weird it is. And that's Satanic Church, by the way. Like, it's just the, the spire of it that pulls up. It's great looking. Yeah, that's the best looking thing in the in the episode. Is it the only thing is not CG? Yeah, that's why you. That's totally why you can forgive it too. Like, it looks too good. You're like, all right. And they, you know, at the end they leave it, and so it's like those yeah, it's just poking out. kids that go up to Kingsman Bluff. It's just gonna be like what? And also, like Anya specifically says it was buried in the earthquake of '32. And just fun fact: the earthquake that buried the Satanic Church in '32 is not the same earthquake that buried the Master in a church that was in '37. And it's also not the same earthquake that buried the Spanish missionary because that was some sometime in the 1800s. So in conclusion, earthquakes in Sunnydale bury churches. <laughs> I like that. That's amazing. That is that's excellent research. I really <laughs> like the the fact that in the 30s, there's just a satanic church out in the open in California. And everyone's <laughs> just apparently fine with it <laughs> until there's an earthquake. <laughs> this is like pre Anton LaVey, man. Yeah. Like I imagine like some Steinbeck novel where they're trying to get to California. That's where the work is. And then they get there. It's a satanic temple. It's all it's all earthquakes and satanic temples. For as far as the eye can see. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the first time I watched this, it was just like, what? That's crazy. Like, I think the satanic temple was a little bit overwhelming to me. That summoning. I kind of saw the episode winding down and the inevitability of it. Like, I think I was more involved. With like, oh, this is, I guess, the good ending. But the second time I watched it, I think like, I was able to actually see the performances because I think I was caught up in like the crazy weird narrative of it. But the second time I was more focused on characters and the Xander Willow scene made me cry the second time, not the first time. The first time I was just like absorbing what's going on in the scene. And it was just like, I can't imagine this working. What is working? So knowing it was working, (laughs) whatever Xander's gambit combined with, you know, the, I guess, emotional space that uh, Willow gets in. Anyway, made me cry. It was very sweet. And it was much sweeter the second time. And I don't know why that is. I'll probably sure it'll be even sweeter the third time. I like seeing just Willow's kind of mad, you know, whatever this like magic intensity kind of turn, turn down and then turn off. It's pretty intense to see that happen. And I like Xander bringing up like her, their childhood relationship. Like that's like an obvious key. And she's so, so cynical about it, but eventually like kind of gives in. And I know there's, there's bigger stories going on there. I, I would definitely want to rewatch what's happening, but I love the, well, the was like crayon breaking or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, the, the fan term for the speech is the yellow crayon speech. Oh gosh. It's a, I, I, it's a powerful moment. And I think it's, it's one of those few like Xander redemption, like Xander redemption mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. Where you're like this. Oh, there's a point to you. But I didn't expect him to be the full on, I guess, heart character, but he totally is. As it turns out, you can, you can tell it's in the early two thousands when, uh, your ending song was Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> like that's carbon dating. Like there's nothing better than to to carbon date something from the '90s or early 2000s or early aughts. I like that they play the song for so long and then they yeah. And yeah. then there's another scene after it ends. You know yeah. I also like that song must have been you know it that must have not been a must have been a not inexpensive song. I mean it's not one of the popular Sarah McLaughlin songs, but still that cost definite money. They ended season three with the Sarah McLaughlin song, right? 
Ooh, good question. I'll have to, I'll look into that. I think they did. Yeah, that's their like that Buffy's would be their go to. Yeah, but maybe Buffy's a giant Sarah McLaughlin fan. No posters. There's no posters. <laughs> that's true. There's no yeah. There's no uh, there's no evidence for it. Not in the text for sure. Yeah. And uh, this uh, episode, the season with uh, Spike getting his soul back. Were you surprised? Well, I didn't know what he wanted because they didn't explicitly state what he wanted. So that's all they had, I guess, to give us at the end. So Spike wants his soul back. I mean, then he can be a real boy, I guess. But he has a lot to overcome with his attempted rape on the way out. So I, I feel like out. he'll be, I think he'll be crawling his way back to Buffy, which seems like it is. Yeah. Vengeance or otherwise. So looking forward to seeing it, I guess. It just seems like season seven will be a mess with all these things in the mix. I guess put that in the predictions. Yeah, I'll put the predictions. Yeah, what I think will happen here. Yeah, it's interesting because like I think it's built it's built to be a surprise. And the shit that Spike says doesn't seem to indicate that he knew that that's what was gonna happen because he's all like, I'll give that bitch what's coming to her and all this like weird shit like that. (laughs) Why are you saying that about becoming a better man? But I think that's just all, you know, weird writing. Uh, But let's uh, move on to questions for the group. Questions for the group. I really only have one because we've decided that we're not going to do a recap of season six episode of Buffy Virgin, which I think is for the best. But just very quickly, if we could, I just wanted to hear from you guys, what are your overall impressions of the season? How do you feel about the season in uh, either your first watch or your 11 millionth? Yeah, so I do. I do like season six a lot. You know, clearly it has really high, high points, right? Once more, it's feeling super iconic. I'll always love that episode. I'll always listen to the musical. So if, if nothing else happens, you know, season six, I will, I will always cherish because of that. I, I think it's probably the most uneven season and it with a lot of kind of very average episodes, but then all of a sudden we'll have amazing episodes. So I, I think for me, what I really, what I wish was that more season C, season six had so much more potential. The potential for season six, I think was higher than other seasons, but I just don't think that it achieved the potential for it, for the storytelling. For for many you know many of many of the different I'm just sort of looking over the general episode list but you know confronting you know how Buffy feels after being resurrected confronting you know needing to be a parent and needing to be financially independent and you know being essentially a single mother that was kind of they somewhat addressed but didn't really follow through on that and then finally you know focusing on kind of the non supernatural elements of of the of the Scooby Group or, or Kind of, kind of focusing on like humans getting murdered and, and human suffering with Tara, you know, not necessarily focusing just on the suffering of Buffy, and all that was very, very exciting. And I just, I wish that was taken to the next level. I wish there was there was a lot of potential there. So that's what I kind of think overall. Nice, that's a good recap. Yeah, I agree. I agree with uh, everything you said. <laughs> but what do you think? God, hold on, I had to ramble there. <laughs> I think this I, starts. Oh, go ahead, John. Sorry. No, I wanted to hear from the Virgin. That was that was what I was going to say. Oh, sure. I think the season starts really strong. I think Buffy's story of uh, you know resurrection and like the fact that she'd prefer to be dead. I really like that story, like the zombie Buffy story, like her friend's guilt. I think this this season starts stronger than any other season as far as like the first four episodes. Like I'm really mm. into this this story. And then it just loses direction with Willow's drug magic and with the, you know, I think 
there's a reason we like the trio. Like they're kind of, it's a little bit inward facing and makes me a little sad about what being in, <laughs> about some aspects of nerd, nerd uh, misogyny. But like, I think the trio is a little bit sad and random as a villain. The ultimately like, I think I agree with like some of the philosophies of the show about how they handle that group, but it's not as satisfying as <laughs> it's not very satisfying. And then this ending is kind of uh, feels a little bit weak and random. I mean, the the fact that suddenly, and I didn't realize it until you even said it, John, that like Willow had the power to destroy the the, the world now, this Galactic's level power. Like I didn't even catch it was that high level. Like destroy the world in Sunnydale just like to me is like, oh, cool, you're going to blow up some buildings. <laughs> like what are you going to really do? It's such a strong start with the Buffy stories. And then I think the trio story is a little bit middling and strange. Though like there are some highlights to there are like some heights within that story that are really fun. What they do to nerds, I really like. But once Warren's girlfriend gets murdered, right, it's like that dark turn is too dark a turn for me to take them, like to enjoy them, right? Like, I think I'm kind of enjoying the mm. trio's kind of weirdness, even though they're torturing Buffy. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. These like weird, almost like from a cartoon show hijinks. But then when they kill Warren's ex, it's like too much. And then I just want it. I want them to dispense with it faster than they do because they've got 22 episodes of this to write or whatever it is. Yeah. So just feels like they have a couple they have strong ideas that they just hold on to too long which i think is something buffy loves to do anyway and but the magic as drugs just throw that psa out please but we do get a really great tara and willow back together for one moment scene but it sucks there's just not very much of that afterwards and that's such a bummer because that relationship's really fun to to spend time with so it feels mixed but it's not the worst season oh interesting what what in your the worst heart of hearts yeah. is the worst season? Uh, what, as a Buffy fan, as a Buffy fan, I think the worst. I mean, any, <laughs> as a Buffy virgin, what's the worst season? <laughs> uh, what's the season with Riley? Is it season four? four. I like season four. I like season four because it's yeah. a funny season. Yeah, I feel like that's the main issue I have with season six. Is like, where'd all the humor go? Man? Yeah, if I struggle with it is also like Buffy's depression this season. That I mean, it's mean personally to say like somebody's got to get over something like <laughs> if you're depressed you can't but it's like this isn't a real person so i can say that like and and the fact that the show keeps bringing buffy to like realization points where she's like oh now i have like the knowledge i need to get over it and to like mo- move on with my life and then the next episode resets it that could yeah that drove me crazy on this rewatch where i was like I mean, part of it is like, if I love this character, I want them to get better. Like I want people <laughs> to get help when they need it. And I don't see that happening, but I guess that was, that was my main like struggle. This on this rewatch was like, this show used to be fun. And now it's like, not only as a character depressed, but it's like delving into like, like I'm visiting depression for an hour. And, and, and then it's, they just keep resetting it episode yeah. after episode after episode. And for instance, and then once, once the trio kills, kills that ex-girlfriend of Carmen is her name. Is that right? I I don't remember. But then but then there's there's too many episodes of the trio trying to do wacky hijinks, right after, and you just you just can't do it. You can't do yeah. Oh, funny wacky hijinks of these murderers. I really like the fact that they take the left turn with mm-hmm. the trio, right? And I think that I think the fact that they they portray them as goofy and cartoony and then take this hard left turn is a big part of the point. I think it's really I think that's really intentionally structured that way, and I really like that about it. I agree with you, Travis, that you try to then go back and then give them jetpacks again after that. And it kind of doesn't work. But I also think that like there's more there's more to be explored with that dynamic 
of Warren and Jonathan and the other one. And just like the their 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 power dynamic and like Jonathan trying to do the right thing and kind of not doing it, but kind of trying to split the difference between like saving his own butt and doing the right thing. I feel like there's more story to be told there that kind of got sidelined for the Willow plot. And like that's the what I want to see more of. Like I kind of wish they almost would have stuck with that as the villain rather than than evil Willow. Whoa, like, that would have like, been there could have been something else there. A more boring season finale. Like once Dark Willow shows up, it like finally kicks shit into high gear. We have like Yeah, that's true. Great but, villain yeah. finally. And we have a whole yeah. new look for a character and stuff. And it's like it only lasts for like two episodes. True, but I don't know. I find I find Dark Willow somewhat because the because it's rooted in that drug metaphor, I find it all a bit trite. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, we didn't we didn't really address the Spike Buffy relationship part too because that's such a big part of this season also. Yeah, and like that's such an interesting, destructive relationship for them to spend as much time as they do on it. Where like Buffy hates herself. I don't know. I guess like Dennis had said, and I think everyone has kind of agreed, this is a real downer season. It's it's really depressing to live in someone's endlessly resetting depression, and I I feel it in the way that I emotionally respond to it too. Like I I think I like parts of the storytelling, but it's also like. It felt oppressive and I didn't like feel joy watching the show in yeah. the same way that I felt watching season four, even though season four is dumb. That's not totally dumb. It's all the, all the episodes are like the, the show is not dumb, but like in season four, like the Riley stories, like the Riley Buffy relationship is so absurd in places and Riley's such a doofus. And then the, when they build up the plot about the initiative, like I'm just, I'm along for the ride, I guess. What are they? Well, really Professor Walsh is behind this. This me. Okay. Anyway, it's just like, it's such a crazy story, but like it filled me with joy at the end because I think the stakes were so absurd. I think in season six, the stakes are so personal that it's painful mm. to like, yeah. to reset that versus like the school is secretly running this, you know, covert military operations where they're kidnapping monsters. Like, okay, really? <laughs> sure. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't they? And like, I, I see it like I wanted to write songs about it. I wanted to like, that was more of a fun world that like, hit my brain in the right way. This is like just a dark, it's too dark a space to spend too much time in. Yeah. It doesn't, the ending doesn't pull us out. Yeah. And I didn't feel myself with the exception of, I think these last couple of episodes, I didn't feel myself looking forward to rewatching the episodes for the cast. I always look forward to like the Sunday morning seeing you guys, but I'm like, all right, I can put off watching the episode for another hour. Like, you know, instead of... Yeah, I mean, part of that, again, is something we've said, I think, enough that we don't need to say it anymore, really. But, like, part of that is the the declining number of one-shot episodes and the increasing number of arc episodes where, like... And I think it's made it harder for us to do the podcast where, like, it feels like we're not reviewing an episode. We're reviewing one act of an episode half the time. Deep Stuff. Uh, but I'm going to throw in one final theme and I'm going to call it Willow doesn't live here anymore. The destruction and rebuilding of Willow's identity. Cause like that seems to be a big theme. This episode is, and for this last arc is like Willow losing herself, not only in the drugs, but in like purposely escaping her own identity. So Willow doesn't live here anymore is her own is dark Willow's own quote. Right. And like, Last episode, Willow started to refer to her past in the third person. And then this episode also has when Xander shows up, he starts calling her Willow. And she's like, don't call me that. Cause like, right. um, 
that's also a theme that happens in Dark Phoenix, <laughs> which I can keep bringing up, is like the Jean Grey identity gets erased and is replaced with the Phoenix and then the Dark Phoenix. And one of the first things that the Phoenix has to do is like erase all of the connections to Jean Grey. So that's why she goes after the X-Men and goes after her former family. So, so I just thought that was interesting. I was I started reading last night. My God, it's like a Greek tragedy. Willow Rosenberg and Human Irrationality by James B. South from the book Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Philosophy. And his argument, his discussion is about human irrationality, which I guess is like a Plato idea. And But one of the things he argued, so the argument about irrationality is just that humans, humans have irrationality in them. And like as much as you want to analyze what they do and why they do things. There's just an element of like completely irrational behavior that cannot, that like defies any kind of like rationale. But part of the way he sets this up is he has this argument that unlike every other main character, Willow, because of her extravagant range of interests and roles is evidence of the fact that there appears to be no core identity to Willow, which I thought uh, he's saying this about like early Willow, which I think is interesting because part of why he says that is like her interest in both being a computer geek, a practitioner of Wicca, an excellent student, and an aide to the Slayer. But it's like, I mean, to me, that's like, just you're just a multifaceted person. Unlike, yeah. right. <laughs> but I guess within like a storytelling, where storytelling is simplifying a human, Willow does not exemplify that. And if you look back, even to like season four, when she's getting into Wicca, one of her problems is she's so distracted that like when she casts a spell, it goes five different ways instead of just right. focused on one. So that's something Willow has always from the beginning struggled with, with her own self, you know, both her own like self-deprecation and her own like refusal to look at her own identity. Right. So she's always calling like her stupid mousy ways, things like that. So that is part of what the like Willow drug stuff could be about is about yeah like wanting to escape, like what is part of the desire of drug use is like wanting to escape yourself. Right. In ultimately forming like dark Willow, does she like, finally lose her own identity completely and that's why like xander's final movement is so powerful is like let's bring you back to your real core identity like who you were as a kid and like we'll see like our your core identity through my friendship is the thing that'll rebuild you Uh well it's it's interesting i'm just thinking about an angel right how fred didn't want to see her family because if she saw her family it made the things that happened to her real and i feel like that's connected, connected to what you're talking about and that, like, if Willow is a different person, it's almost like the thing, the harm she's causing, the things she's doing don't count because it's a different person, right? It's not Willow doing those things. Yeah. But then, then there's like the Buffy's journey in a way through through the season is almost the opposite, which is like she needs to learn that some things she does don't matter. Like having sex with a gross person is something you just did. It doesn't have yeah. to be a moral judgment on you. It doesn't, and it doesn't have to reframe your identity. Yeah, that's a yeah. good argument. And one of the, like one of the things that the audience, the audience ang- anger reaction towards the end of the season is Dark Willow isn't Willow. Like this, right? trying to murder the world and stuff isn't the c- character we've been following for six seasons. The episode is in fact, you are going, yeah, it's not, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it, I mean, and it, 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 it's a good observation that that, that that impulse in Willow to not be Willow has yeah, gone back it's all the way to season one. Yeah. I'm just, I'm thinking about Moloch and dating the guy on the internet and like that was a way like that also felt like her you know she wants to be someone else she wants to pretend she's not willow and yeah an online romance like yeah and, it, uh, it, it and doppelgangland like that's her struggle that episode before she even runs into vamp willow is like i'm not old faithful i don't want to be your sidekick yeah so anyway 
That's what I got. That's a super interesting read on the arc of the whole character. That's cool. Uh, and I, I just like that you created some continuity there between season six and season one, because I've just been watching this and thinking about like thinking back to season one and two and like, what a goddamn different show this is. And like, it's the tone is so different. Yeah. Remember when the show was about vampires in high school? Everyone was fun and silly. Like, <laughs> All right. Let's move on to recommendations. Recommendations. So the first thing I thought, I, I got a couple different categories. The first thing I thought was magic fights. And for my money, the dopest magic battle is Lord of Illusions. It's a movie with Scott Bakula plays one of Clive Barker's re, uh, recurring characters, like Harry Dayam Moore, I think, who's like a detective. And the, but the whole thing is like a battle between two different magicians and it begins with an awesome magic battle and it ends with an awesome magic battle. And then the thing I think this episode is directly referencing when they do the Giles on the floor, Giles on the ground is Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Rings, the dope ass Soromon versus Gandalf battle with Christopher Lee. That's a dope battle also. And then I was like, let's throw out some Satan movies because like this episode ends with, you know, the satanic church and everything. But I was like, I'm going to pick ones that have devil in the title. And <laughs> I'm going to pick the one Devil's Reign. I'm going to pick both because Shatner's in it. Shatner's the main character and Ernest Borgnine is the church leader. And Anton LaVey was like consulted on it. So it's like accurate Satanism. (laughs) (laughs) The movie's not super great, but it's like a fun campy movie. Ernest Borgnine becomes like, like a goat headed demon in it at the end. It sounds John Travolta has his first like role in it. He's like a background guy or something. I've never been able to spot him in it, but he's like in the cast list. And then also because of Christopher Lee, I'll recommend the British movie, The Devil Rides Out. You know, typical kind of like British kind of boring. It's not, it's a, I think it's an amicus horror. It's definitely not a hammer horror, but it has a really awesome devil themed ending. And that's all I'll say. And then because we're talking about Saga, the swamp thing and like earth power and the power of the green, got to go with Wes Craven's swamp thing movies. Pretty good. Even friggin' Ebert liked it. He'll te- he'll tell you that he uh, he watched it expecting it to be a dog of the week and was surprised by how good it was. It's not as good as like reading the comics, but it's pretty enjoyable. The first Swamp Thing is better than Swamp Thing Returns, even though Swamp Thing Returns uh, uses art by Stephen Bissett and John Tottleman in it. But that movie's a weird comedy. The first Swamp Thing kind of treats the idea a little bit seriously. So those are my wrecks. All right. Do we want to do, where do we go from here before predictions? Where do we go from here? As we finish Buffy season six, we are reminded that Buffy will eventually end, but our friendship will not. So guys, where do we go from here? And just based on the casual conversation we have before we started recording, I was like, fast food podcast. Because we all got shit to say about fast food. And then John and I were like talking about like weird physical challenges. And it was like how bad that is when you're an old, <laughs> when you're older like us. And, uh, yeah. and we can maybe call, t- subtitle it men on the decline when it comes to. <laughs> oh, so it's also you're harshly judging yourself for enjoying fast food. Yeah. Yeah. And like challenges like, like how much Mountain Dew can I drink before I have to go to the bathroom? And it's like. Like, so what kind we, of physical challenges you used to do, but we can't do them okay. anymore. 
okay, so there'd be physical challenges on this podcast. It would be, yeah, you know, you know, that kind of like uh, those kind of YouTube videos with those like square jawed men with big teeth who like are like handsome and like do crazy shit. We'll do that, except we're old and not very good looking. And so we do physical challenges related to fast food. Like how much sure. can you eat $20 worth of food at Taco Bell? Yeah. How long will it take you to eat a uh, Crave case? <laughs> Which is a real challenge we've tried. Um, <laughs> but we made somebody else do it. Also, wrapping our <laughs> speed up our own decline. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there is like there's a novelty factor to fast food that doesn't exist in other types of food. That's super fascinating, right? Because like fast food, it's like they're literally coming up with a new combination or trying to of cheese and crunchiness and you know a, a new combination of fried things like to try and entice you because you're lazy and you have no time and you you just you need a thing, right? Like, unfortunately, we we have to eat. <laughs> like uh fast food is everywhere I, yeah i mean i think just like eating fast food and reviewing fast food would be super fun to do because it's like that's a treat and like not something i would do deliberately but yeah i don't want to be a fast food guy yeah i don't want that to be my thing because i can just see this just like the buffy stuff where it's like people bring up buffy to me they want to talk about their buffy opinions like it is an endless conversation about fast food that we'd be involved with the world which you know, <laughs> a lot of it but i just don't I don't think this is a good one, guys. I think just... Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't all be winners. <laughs> well, just for your spiritual mental health, like, do you want to talk about fast food with friends? Probably 20 minutes a day. I don't know. I mean, 20 minutes every day is a lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's you're into fast food. Oh, did you see the new thing that they got over at Subway? They got a new foot long. Did you see that? Oh, Dennis, do you see? I mean, just like every time it comes up, you're going to get pinged with that stuff. And then you're going to have to have an opinion about it because you're the opinion guy. But we would have opinions. <laughs> it's the worst part. Wow, this theoretical fast food podcast really took off in my mind. I'm stressed <laughs> it's out. ruining our lives already. So just contacting you out of the blue all the time about fast food. Hi, I just made a movie about fast food. <laughs> you know what? If you guys got all the emails that they came to your accounts, like Dennis gets it because they go to the YouTube comments and he's on the Twitter and stuff. But I get the emails. I don't want fast food emails because it's mostly coupons. 99%. Unless a better idea comes up. But let's do predictions, guys. We got a big one this week. Virgin Predictions. Yeah, okay. So first of all, we're going to have a lot of predictions to talk about because since we're not going to do a season six uh roundup episode all of the end of season six predictions are going to fall in here and even without that we have a lot of predictions to talk about so it's going to be a bunch michael let's uh go over your current scores your current overall accuracy is a 66.05 percent interesting factoid if if you care is that it seems to be that the super predictions have had a net positive effect we've been doing this for a while now you've actually just because of the super predictions factor you've gained about three percent just from that so it seems like your the super predictions are helping you more than they're hurting by three percent by three percent that's not nothing this feels like olympians getting a little bit better it's like yeah that Performance enhancing drug is helping you three percent. <laughs> you shaved 0.01 seconds off of your time, buddy. <laughs> that, uh, this inflatable underwear is really that carbon good fiber bicycle 
is increasing your speed by 3%. Yeah, I believe that the uh, super protection system is the carbon fiber bicycle of this spreadsheet. Your accuracy for season six as a season is currently at a 70.09. Still your second best season overall. It doesn't seem likely that we're going to make it better than your best season, which was season two. Because uh, you have to gain a whole 5%. It doesn't seem likely, but we do have a lot to talk about. It could be that you go up a whole 5%. We'll see. It's possible. You never know. Carbon fiber bicycle. Okay. So rewinding the clock way back. Season okay, okay, 2, okay. episode 8. Michael predicted that the Halloween episode will be called back. Specifically that Willow was a ghost. I didn't highlight this one. Dennis highlighted it. I, Why did you yeah, highlight this one? I highlighted it kind of connected to my themes that Willow doesn't exist anymore. So the Willow walking around is kind of a ghost. This is Willow referencing it herself, kind of. Will, you know, that was just my idea. It was not specifically referenced that Willow was a ghost, nor was the episode called back. I, de- I see your point that they're thematically in line, but that's not quite a callback now, now is it? It's not. I, yeah. I just thought it was worth, worth bringing up. All right. No problem. No problem. We're going to call that the the close but no cigar factor, I think. The, you know, <laughs> thematically correct, if not factually correct. Okay. So season three, episode seven, Michael predicted that the Watcher Council is concerned with bigger shit than Buffy and Giles. And I just, I, I wanted to talk about this one because Giles specifically says that the Watcher Council has no idea what's going on in the world in this episode. And we could maybe make the argument to denying this one. I think we got to leave it open because it wasn't that specific a comment, but yeah, it's a good argument that there is in fact, not shit that they're cons- very, that they're doing. Yeah. What are they even doing right now? They don't seem to be watching Buffy that closely. Are they watching faith more closely? They're writing essays and shit. I don't know. Yeah. Buffy season four, episode 17. This is uh, well before uh, the trio existed. Michael predicted that Jonathan will join the Scooby gang for an adventure and not be very helpful. So at some point, you know, you know, Jonathan's running around with, you know, Xander and the crew in the cemetery. They're trying to like escape. Um, It's a, it's, it's a part of the Scooby gang. I don't know if they have a full quorum at that point because it's really just, uh, Xander and Dawn, but he definitely was along with them and he was definitely not very helpful. Uh, runs off first opportunity. Yeah. I'd say if your if your argument is just that it's not the full Scooby gang as a reason for denying it, that's like weak. Like, okay. Yeah. I think it's a confirmation. Yeah. Give him this one. Yeah. All right. So that one is confirmed. It's certainly not how Jonathan wanted it to happen. No, that's, that's certainly true. Okay. Buffy season five, episode 19. Willow will cast a spell to forget Tara. Now we have a Willow who is grief struck in this episode and she uh, feels the suffering of the world and wants to destroy everything to end the suffering. That would include her suffering over her memory of Tara. (laughs) Thus, she was attempting to cast a spell to forget Tara. Travis says no. I mean, I think destroying the entire world means you're going to forget everything. But it's not a spell to forget. spell. It's not a spell to forget Tara. It's a spell okay. to destroy the world. Fine. All right. Got to leave that one open then because it could happen at any time. You never know. Okay. We're starting to get into some ones here that are specific uh, season six predictions. Okay. Michael predicted a new John's curse. We never see a collectible Backstreet Boys lunchbox in season six. And I got to say, I was looking <laughs> out for it. Never popped up. No Backstreet Boys lunchbox <laughs> in the entire, entirety of season six. I feel like this one was a bit silly. 
but a confirmation is a confirmation. We'll count it. Okay. Do you feel a, a relief that this curse has been list- lifted? No, because I'm going to be watching Buffy just as closely as I always would. <laughs> uh, it doesn't going to change every anything about the way that I frame by frame this shit. Okay. Buffy season six, episode two. Willow is going to say out loud that she didn't bring Buffy back to life. How so, Dennis? She said the exact opposite this episode. She <laughs> said, I brought you <laughs> it's true. out of the grave. I'm putting you in. So, so there's going to deny this one. Yeah, I think this is a <laughs> think, definite yeah. denial. I mean, I suppose technically she could go back and then just for no reason say she didn't. But yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Okay. Season six, episode three. There will be more negative consequences for Buffy's resurrection. Uh, Is all of this negative consequences of Buffy's resurrection in some form or fashion is is what I'm asking here. Like Willow is put on the path to evil magic, starting with killing the uh, the fawn. I mean, I think this whole season has been negative consequences of Buffy's resurrection. And we could have like done this at any point, but it's good to do it now in the first, in the final. Yeah, I think we can say that there's, Generally speaking, negative consequences. That's confirmed. Okay, very good. That's a confirm. That's a confirmation. Good. Okay. Season six, episode four. Giles forgives Willow for reviving Buffy in season six. I'm actually, not sure why I highlighted this one because that hasn't happened, but it could still happen. Oh, oh no, I can see why. Because here's why. Because if you read this, it could mean. Does it mean Giles forgives Willow for the revival, which happened in season six? Or does it mean Giles will forgive in season six Willow? Does he, is he going to forgive Willow during season six? Because there's the way that the yeah is written, it could be it's a little ambiguous. So if it he would, doesn't forgive her during the season, I would argue that he may have because w- but one of the things Buffy says while they're recapping is she's like, I just don't know. I always brought back, and Giles says like because the world still needs you or something. Oh, that's true. That's true. So, him he's just bored at least yeah him just being like okay it's good you're brought back the world still needs you yeah i that that's actually enough for me to confirm this i think i'm happy with that all right see mike i'm not always trying to drag you down (laughs) (laughs) season six episode nine michael made a super prediction this is a super prediction amy will not survive season six you were super wrong, son. <laughs> as far as we know, Amy is still alive. I mean, maybe she died at the hands of Rack at some point, but as far as we know, she's still alive. So we're going to go ahead and deny that one. Season six, episode 12, Amy gets recruited by the trio, which I maintain is excellent fanfic. Like, I yeah. want to read that. That sounds incredible. Technically, that could still happen because if You're right. Amy joins Jonathan and Andrew, they're a trio once more. Oh, that's true. true. Oh, that's true. They'd go for me to do. Oh, but they wouldn't be the trio. Let's just deny. Would you be recruited? <laughs> could you be recruited by the trio if it only becomes a trio once you join? I guess you're right. That can't happen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna deny this one. You can make a new prediction about the duo. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Okay, we still have so many predictions to go. It's a lot of predictions. Okay. Season six, episode fifteen. Buffy gets a new job, meaning after the Old Meat Palace in season six. Buffy gets a new job in season six. She did not get a new job in season six. That's the nine. He's a lifer, baby. Season six, episode 16. No more marriages in season six of <laughs> Buffy. That is correct. There have been no more marriages. That was a safe fucking bet. <laughs> season six, episode 16 as well. Anya and Xander don't, quote, for real, end quote, reunite in season six. They don't get back together. I think that's 
Yeah, it's confirmed. They they did not reunite. Listen, uh, it could have been a magic spell, John. All right. That's why I got it. It could have. You're yeah. right. No, I think it's fair. Could have just yeah, been but... a hookup. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Season six, episode <laughs> 18. We have a uh we have a pair of sex predictions or lack of sex predictions. First, Spike and Anya won't have sex again in season six. That is true. They did not. And also, Buffy and Spike won't have sex again in season six, and they did not. So that is also confirmed. Okay. Season six, episode 18, Willow and Tara's relationship will make Michael cry in a future episode. So, Michael, here's the thing. You cried in this episode. Did you cry because of Willow and Tara's relationship, though? Oh, I cried okay. because of Willow and Sanders' relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's rooted in Willow's grief. Like, that's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. You, you got to tell me how many of those tears were for which cause. And how many were just because Sarah McLachlan was playing? Yeah. It was before Sarah McLachlan played. Once that started playing, the tears stopped immediately. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we have to leave this one open. The crying because of Willow and Tara's relationship. Sorry. You could predict, you know, tears for other reasons. And then all you got to do is like, you know, like wait till the right moment, like pull out a nose hair, right? Okay. Season six, episode 18. Michael made a super prediction here. Dawn will get casually invited to patrol. Like, I want to confirm this one because I think this is another close but no cigar situation where Michael was right. He's on the right track here where Dawn is invited into the gang. You know, Buffy hands her a sword and says, fight by my side. It's just not a patrol. And it was casual the way she did it, too. She's just like, here. And it was like, it was a moment. Got to leave it open, though, because it wasn't a patrol. That may happen in the future. We don't know. Uh, Season six, episode 20. Andrew and Jonathan aren't killed by Willow. They could still die in Willow's hands, but I think given that I think we, we kind of know Willow is no longer evil, I think we can go ahead and confirm this one now. I hope people are okay with that. I guess so. It would be hope great. that's not a spoiler. Season seven, regular Willow just murders them. <laughs> yeah, flies to Mexico and shoots them. Or just like yeah. as an accident. like <laughs> uh, Season six, episode 20, Spike gets his chip removed this season. That did not happen. He did not get his chip removed. Got something else added. That's a super prediction, and thus a super. Denial. Oh no, this is all terrible. This is so many. Okay, Seifers. Season six, episode twenty-one. Xander will defeat Willow. I think, in any reasonable Dude. way of looking at this, that's yeah. correct. I think <laughs> that was that is a, an amazing prediction. I am. Yeah, that should have been your super. My <laughs> it really should have. Uh, season six, episode twenty-one. Michael predicts Spike will become. Human. Sorry. Yeah, he hasn't. I, he's, he, What's yeah. amazing about this is last week you said you were in your kind of like rant, but not typing it down. Said like, or get a soul or something. <laughs> that. <laughs> but we made you. We made you refine it to like what is what is this? Yeah, episode? so it would be wrong. That's classic. You. <laughs> Season six, episode twenty one. And this is a super prediction. Michael predicted that Giles, aka the Ripper. The Ripper. Is going to die fighting Willow. <laughs> Which he did not. He almost did. Really close. But he does not die. That's such bullshit, too. Because they even, like, <laughs> the whole, like, I'm dying. And then as soon as the magic, like, you know, Willow's magic, like, starts receding or whatever. And Xander succeeds. He's like, I'm going to be all right. Like, he doesn't say that. But just, like, everything starts to perk yeah. up. And, like, it's like in Who Framed Rabbit when the uh, dip is coming to him. He's like, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're not going to die. It's just such a quick reversal. Like, I don't, whatever. 
this show. John, make sure to deny the spike will become human. Oh, no, wait, that's open. I see. Never mind. Yes, that one's open because that could happen. At any yeah, by human lightning. Exactly. So thus, Michael, that makes 10 confirmations and six denials. Okay. Of course, some of them being supers, we don't know. The results here are that your overall accuracy has actually uh, gone down from 66.05 to 64.55. So you lost about a percentage and a point and a half. Uh, wow. Right? All your gains, man. All your gains. Yeah. And Super your strong accuracy sake, supers are so great. For season six has dropped from a 70. Uh, point oh nine down to a sixty nine dudes point eleven uh, percent. Oh man! Uh, season six is now a D season. You only have one C season. That's that's about so right. Close, season so six is about a, is a D season. <laughs> what what's his uh, what's his grade in in England? What oh, that? it would be higher the way that they kind of, <laughs> it would be higher. You uh, English assessments are what they call norm referenced, meaning that your grades are largely based on how other people do in the in the year group. So yeah, as opposed to being criterion referenced, it's something that I think is not great about the English education system. And I will do that rant, rant another time. But but they don't have A's. They have like ones, twos, right? Uh, well, they used to have A, B, C, yeah. But they've actually replaced that recently on the the GCSEs with a one through nine system. But it's basically the same thing. All I know is owls, man. Man, well, that was something, guys. I feel like we just fucking finished the season. Yeah. Well, I got new predictions. Of course, I believe that the spike rape scene is going to be brought up again in season seven. There's no way. Not because Spike's on his way back. I think Willow's going to summon warriors to fight for her in season seven. I think it's just a thing she can do now. Spike's going to be out and about in the daytime. We don't know what having a soul means, but he's always out and about in the daytime anyway. It's true. The duo gets an appearance for an episode in season seven. I feel like we enjoy Andrew and Jonathan's characters and uh, they're probably available. If the duo appears for more than an episode, do we deny this? Oh no, it it doesn't then it doesn't exclude at least one episode. Okay. In season seven. There you go. You have to use math on these some of these guys. No consequences in the super production. No consequences for Willow killing Warren in season seven. I don't think Will's gonna go to jail. I think killing Warren's just uh justice and uh, there's nothing to worry about. That seems crazy to me, but I think that's the way the show wants to play it. Maybe say legal consequences. Yeah, she's not going to... There might be other consequences, right? No legal consequences. She might feel guilt. That's not a legal consequence. She's not going to go to jail. For that. Damn it, Travis. I was going to deny the shit out of that. <laughs> he was just going on and on about going to jail. I'm like, dude, that's just one type of consequence. <laughs> All right, Travis with the same. Look at us, just helping him. Boom. I'm helping myself as much, so I don't have to endure some split decision. <laughs> true, true. All right, guys. I think that's it. I don't feel like describing who I am right now because I've done it so many times. Just thank you one and all for listening and talking to us. It's season six. We're so tired. (laughs) Dude, it's season six in 2020. Are you kidding me? This is a lot, guys. This is a lot. This is like after I watch a depressing episode, I can't even go outside. I got (laughs) to live with it. I was like, yes, let's burn the world down. I was like, the end of season six is like how I feel. Right now at the end of 2020. Someone wants to destroy this marble? Go ahead.
Oh, man. All right. Well, you know where to find us. We're Buffy Virgin. Please rate us and shit. And we'll see you in hell.